0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gut Reno Girl podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and today I have a very special guest with me, uh, Mr. Freddie Roman of Period Craftsman on Instagram. How are you, Freddie?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you for being here today. Um, So, Freddie, I, I think you and I connected on Instagram uh, probably when I first joined, but I think I had tagged you slash harassed you in a bunch of like old house posts. and so maybe that's how we became
1: friends. <laughs> yeah, no idea, but possibly for sure. Yeah. Cause I'm a sucker for old stuff.
0: So. Oh yeah, me too. Um, and that's really why I think you and I have had such a good positive relationship over the internet. And, um, obviously I'm super inspired by everything that you post and, um, hopefully I've been doing the same with our latest project for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Your house is coming out beautiful Thank I you really appreciate I it. wish
0: you were closer. Anthony always says he would um, he would hire you for our next one so Whoa, hey.
1: Tony's very nice
0: <laughs> <laughs> to you, not to me um, Oh yeah so give me we're gonna get into a whole bunch of questions but just uh, maybe tell everybody a little bit about who you are what you do and uh, why you're so famous.
1: <laughs> uh, I am not famous but I, I'm Freddie Roman. I basically am a furniture restorer or a restore and maker of basically any wood products and uh old is my preferred choice of material and uh i love anything and everything regarding wood and metal mm-hmm. and um restoration is just something i do because everyone else hates it really <laughs>
0: good yeah. reason to do it yeah. why um why the old stuff like why did you fall in love with the historical pieces Antarctica. Well,
1: up here in New England, especially Massachusetts, there's a lot of old material, a lot of historical properties, historic homes, historic furniture. So while I love new construction, it's really hard to find people who are willing to pay to get stuff made for furniture. Mm. And that's kind of where I started. So then I kind of felt to plan B or the saying is you never go hungry if you can actually repair something there's always work. There's always something to be repaired. So I fell into that thinking that I'd be a you know, famous furniture maker at someday, <laughs> but I became more addicted to the repair because it's just so much beauty. The material is, well, last anything being made today new, uh, everything can be repaired, everything can be restored, and everything can be refinished or even painted. So there's longevity in everything.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Um, I think we, we have always fallen in love with the old stuff just because you really don't see um, those profiles and those details anywhere else anymore.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and it's just nice to finally have something pretty to look at versus all the same. I mean, I'm not in a great room. I've got like (laughs) no trim in here, but (laughs) it's in the house. It's just downstairs.
1: (laughs) No, totally. And everyone thinks that every room has to have crown molding or cornice molding and all these elaborate details. And it, it really, every room can speak for itself. Every room can have its own, uh, decorations or, you know, Look to it. So mm-hmm. I think that people are, don't understand the the mentality behind molding, and I think that people uh, think a lot, a lot of a lot of stuff can't be repaired or replicate, uh, reproduce mm-hmm. um, because of the lack of education due to the contractors. Or if they can't find it at the big box store or locally, then they feel like they can't match it, which is not not true at all.
0: Right. Do you? Um, and we have a couple more. A couple other questions I want to get into mm-hmm. in a second, but um, do you find that most when people are coming to you, are they are you kind of like the last resort, or have they had you on the docket for a while and they know they're buying a historic place and you know they contact you? Like, how do they usually get involved with working with you?
1: Well. Uh- Usually, as I'm like the last resort, they happen to trip over me. They did a Google search and they're like, you know, shocked that I even existed. Uh, That's (laughs) one way. Uh, Uh And I think partly that was my fault because of the way I was pushing myself out there. I really wasn't pushing myself for restoration for homes or anything else. I kind of like tripped over, or they trip over it, and I didn't push myself out enough in the world or publicly to showcase that I am interested in and I am capable. Mm -hmm. So basically, what has occurred these days is that i've changed my whole logo i'm in a transition of uh, changing my business logo and to become more of something more visual so that people understand what it means so right now it's uh, an exterior door with dimensions and uh, beautiful details that's around the surrounding of the door mm-hmm. and then the name is transitioning to new england historic restoration oh, cool. versus versus period craftsmen mm-hmm. um, and the reason for that is that people can kind of understand what i do a little bit better versus maker and restore. What do I make what I restore? Yeah. so now everyone's a maker, and everyone is restoring. so it's <laughs> right. kind of I have to kind of shift.
0: right. that's mm-hmm. that is a good point. Um, what's the most popular request from clients that you are asked to work on, like doors, windows, I know you work on everything, but what's the most popular thing you get asked to work on?
1: Uh, entry doors and uh, entry like surrounds casings are very popular because for multiple reasons, it's it's the security of a home. Mm-hmm. It's very important. They It's the first thing that anyone sees from the street. So hardware changing, modification is very important. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, especially if you have an old home, it's worn. So hot air and cold air is coming in and vice versa. So they kind of want to know, how can I save this door? I love this entry, but you know I can't find anything I love. It's too expensive to replace if I want something high quality. And most people think they can't restore their entry and mm-hmm. I'm there to say that actually you can and there's yeah. a ton of options. Yeah. How
0: are you handling um what are some of the repairs that you do if, you know, someone is asking you to restore? Are you are you taking the door off and mm-hmm. bringing it back to your shop or can you do some things on on
1: site? So usually I try to bring it on, bring it to my shop. The reason being is because I have all my tooling and I have the capability of if I'm stripping something to go ahead and use chemicals, it's easier to manipulate the material. And also mm-hmm. there is less concern of if, if the stripper spills on something else, there's a little bit more labor involved doing it on site yeah. and there's less labor and a quicker turn around if I brought it to my shop. Now, a lot of these old houses, they have double entry. So the first one kind of goes into the foyer and then enter the main house. If I'm, if that's the case, I'm able to kind of close everything off, Mm -hmm. even make some temporary doors with a window, you know, I can put a lock on it. Um, And then some people don't even care. Some people just like, you know, you can just leave it open. The other one gives me enough security. Yeah. So it's a mixed bag. Um, But these days I kind of do both. So like I have recently done a lot of onsite work. The issue with onsite really is temperature and weather plays a factor. Like okay. right, near, right now is ideal, but at the same time, you have to worry about rain, humidity, uh, the cold, cold. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these play a role and unfortunately you can't speed up the process. Right. And, and I do have a relatively controlled climate shop, but even then the humidity plays a role. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a lot of layering that I do versus what most people today we'll try to just slop a stain and and just put a top coat on. I'm manipulating and blending colors and kind of trying to color match and give you a lot of depth and clarity so that people can have something that lasts 15, 20 years without much maintenance at all.
0: Yeah, I think, um, so Anthony and I have always done old doors in our spaces just because I find that you can find a really amazing looking beautiful old door that costs significantly less than many of the newer doors and you could bring on a craftsman for a couple of days to redo it and to stain and do, and do all the magic that you do. Mm-hmm. And your still total cost is less than some of the newer doors that you'd be buying run of the mill that everybody else has in front of their house. So
1: God, yes, a hundred percent. And especially yeah. today with the architectural salvage, there's so many doors. Mm-hmm. So many doors can be modified and adjusted and you can get hardware from them or material mm-hmm. from them to rebuild your particular door. Mm-hmm. So right now it's like, I tell people right now, it's a buyer's market. It's a, no reason for you to ask me to make you a custom new door. Uh, really, you should be able to find something out there that will satisfy your needs.
0: Totally. A hundred percent. I'm looking at my list of questions. What is one thing you wish more people salvaged or gave like a second look on besides stores?
1: Uh, windows. Hmm. You know, and w- windows are even more labor than doors are they yes very much so if especially if they're detailed regarding the moldings if they're lead paint everything needs to be stripped Mm -hmm. you know you have to deglaze everything you have to remove the panes. but it's like everyone compares like you know if well i can probably buy cheaper it's quicker turnaround if i just replace Mm -hmm. in the or i can get a better uh seal my i won't be as leaky but the problem is While that case is true, it's only true for the first few years of the window. Hmm. If it's properly restored and you add all the weather stripping, you add the silicone bulbs between the meeting rails, the top sash and the bottom sash, and even on the sides, even put storms, there's no way anything new can beat it. Hmm. It's just like in longevity, in the long run, a properly restored window will outlive anything that's being replaced. They're called replace windows for a reason. You will have to replace them. Even if you buy amazing windows like the say Anderson uh, 400 series or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, those are great windows and they will last a really long time. But overall, they're the Aragon gas or whatever they put inside of it, they're not meant to withstand as much sunlight because the sun, no matter what, it's going to break down the rubber and the the seals and everything else. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, even though you invest a lot of money, you're still going to have to replace it. And if you, I see. If you're not a gut rental girl, then you're going to be staying in the house much longer. Yeah. Then you're going to have to replace the windows more than once. Right. So
0: that's interesting. I never, um, I always thought older windows could not really compete with like the insulating properties of new windows. I just no. never even.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, what people don't realize is that uh, there's so much new technology to save energy and uh and the problem with if if you have a plain jane window that's fine you know it's probably easy to replace maybe you want a six over one or or eight over two whatever that may be Mm -hmm. but if if you have gorgeous victorian like triangular uh, glass or panes and you or you have the wavy glass there's nothing today that can replicate that even Mm -hmm. even the reproduction stuff it just can't there's so much beauty and character that even if you decide to renovate the outside, change the color theme and everything else, I I have this conversation in the debate with clients saying that whatever you do, it's not going to look as good or beautiful from the street. You fell in love with this house partly because of how good it looked and the windows do play a huge role.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, we had old wood windows that we had to basically replace at our Jersey City um, condo which was like devastating we were able to keep all the molding and the stuff on the interior but Mm -hmm. we were a part of um six units and we were
1: voted out yes (laughs) you know that's kind of one of the difficult things uh yeah being voted out is it can be challenging Yeah, and it's it's understandable Uh, you know you don't want to be spending so much money to for all of it to escape yeah so i am understanding there Mm -hmm. yeah for sure
0: um Let's talk about when we talk about money. Let's talk about. So I sent you a screenshot of one of your stories um, that you had posted with your background, but it was a question about encouraging others to pursue woodworking as a full time job. And I, I love following you because I feel like you're super honest and transparent about the work that you do and the industry that we're all in, and um, you know what you love and what you kind of hate about your job. Some days, um, yes. talk a little bit about because. Because the audience for Gut Reno Girl, obviously it's women in construction, but it may also be women who are, you know, following kind of in your footsteps, getting into historic renovations, maybe really love carpentry, um, Mm. kind of want to get into it as a career. Um, Talk about the opinion that you shared that it's it's just a difficult business to be in.
1: Well, you know, first of all, it's a difficult business in general, and then you add the female portion of it on top of it. It's even more difficult, extremely difficult because it's supposedly a man's like aspect of work Mm -hmm. uh, because of how labor it is. Um, And obviously that has all changed and and that's great. But the problem with, with uh, a business like this is if there's a lot of factors, where you live plays a role, Mm -hmm. Uh, how much money you can make, uh, what, what kind of like home repairs or, or, or remodeling that's occurring. So that plays a role. What restrictions the city may have and regulations that you got to follow. You know, like New York only want cast iron for pipes, while over here in Massachusetts, we can use PEX and PVC. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different variances. Um, what basically happens is that I feel like you need to go to school for this. And I feel that you need to get educated and get an understanding for. Woodworking. And I say that Mm. so that you can manipulate the hand tools and the power tools and uh, the high style of of quality that we're going for takes a lot of hand skill Mm. and you need to either go to school for it or you really need to practice it or you have to kind of be this has to be almost like an addiction. Mm. And the reason for that is it's 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 easy to be a rough carpenter, you know. It's because everything's rough and everything gets covered and manipulated. Obviously, you want to do as best as you can, but there's always somewhere to kind of fluff it out or mm-hmm. or adjust it. But right. when you start reaching that final interior details, that's where everything truly matters beyond the insulation and and the, and the uh, flashing and everything else, and because that's what everyone's going to look at. And gotcha. I believe that you need to be able to understand what's involved, not cutting corners, not always using caulk, you know, not trying to like fill gaps with filler and everything else. And, and not everything new is great. Mm-hmm. So, so you need to get a good foundation, get a good understanding of it. Always reading, always challenging yourself, always uh, willing to say yes to jobs that you may not be confident about. At the same time, there's a lot, a lot of information lagging regarding on how to run a business. And um, yeah. it's like how to balance the checkbook from your personal to business, and again, the accountants, and then uh, making sure that you're getting charging enough, making sure that you have a proper insurance, to make sure the contract is ever changing. What started right. off to be one or two pages, now it's like, for someone like me, I'm not even a true house remodeler. I'm at 15, 20 pages, you know, mm-hmm. just because wow. every time I'm getting for lack of a better term, screwed or bumps in the road. So you got to make sure that you kind of inform everyone of all the possible issues. And the Mm -hmm. perfect example right now is COVID-19. You know, this is an act of God. You know, I have one client that they want me to be working right now. And unfortunately their town is closed. Mm. So they didn't have a patience and didn't want to have the understanding with me. So while it was a big job and I love, I would have loved to finish the job they decided to move on. Mm and at, it's one of those things that you kind of have to pick your battles yeah and you always got to make sure that is it you have one life so pick the jobs that you love that mm-hmm. you enjoy and at the same time always make sure that you're thinking three or four steps ahead because it's a struggle yeah and then depending on what aspect of work you get into the profits are not there so you know you constantly have to like evolve like for furniture repair Perfect example, I thought I made it. I don't have to look for any work whatsoever. You know, I'm booked. <laughs> yeah. I can be booked all year for many years. Wow. But all those clients, all those transactions, all the finishing supplies, you know, all the f- the spraying and finishing, you have to think about how is that going to affect myself as my body as I get older? Right. At the same time, what are the numbers telling you? How much more inventory do I need? So while I love it, at the same time, I'm also jealous of of the carpenter who can just live out of the buckets. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know, so this is all the tools I need. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like I have twelve times as much. Like yeah. I don't even know how you're able to do your work with just that.
0: I was gonna uh I was we were watching a story today. I think it was yours, one of your highlights, Anthony. And I was like, I wonder how many bits he has.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 almost the point of like hoarding. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty well organized. And I had the discussion today. Everyone says, you know, you're buying stuff that you don't need right now, but everything I've purchased. I'm happy I did because in the, in the next month or the next couple of weeks or the next few years, I'm looking for that product and I'm mm-hmm. happy I have it and I used it. Right. And like anything else, not everything new is great. I buy right. a lot of old machinery because they will outlive anything new mm-hmm. or they can be repaired. So yeah. it kind of goes back into you know old houses. A lot of it can be repaired and a lot of it can be saved. I'm not saying they all are worth saving, Right, there's an option
0: yeah um, when would you take a look at um, when, when would you decide for a client that something isn't worth saving and this isn't on your question sheet <laughs> um,
1: so you know a perfect example is uh, I'm having this discussion right now that a client is close to the historic district she's you know they may or may not force her to save their windows and restore them but a lot of the windows that she has are really degraded and mm. I, I told her that, while it'd be great to restore them, I'll be lying to you to say that it's cheaper to restore them than it is to buy something new. Oh, wow. And I'm just too honest to just like, yes, you know, I can restore them. And 90% of them are brand new. I restored this small little section up here, but everything else is new, Mm -hmm. you know? So those are the kind of factors you kind of have to decide that, you know, is it worth saving? Another perfect example, I am doing a small remodel soon. They're, exterior pilasters that are fluted with a ton of great decorative details on yeah, the top cool. and bottom mm-hmm. the discussion is every single one of them is rotted in the same spot because it's on the bottom is concrete and there's moisture there's no gutters there's no overhang so i gave her the option of like wood would look beautiful but you're gonna paint all the wood you're not gonna see any of the grain or anything else maybe we should be doing azac or pvc plastic of some sort and while she said to me like, "Whoa, I, I thought you're a period craftsman. I thought you're a period. <laughs> I said, you know, here's, here's the battle. Do you want to paint every two to three years and maintain this? Do you mm-hmm. want to call me and pay me to do this? Or do we want to just do it once and worry about it 10, 15, 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as you get older, I told the client, um, you're, you're not working as much. Do you want to constantly be spending on your, in your home or on your home? so those are the factors to weigh out so i said you know you the client has the final decision but there's nothing wrong with using pvc and the reason for that is the material isn't as good today
0: mm, okay. so yeah.
1: i'm not saying to do everything this is in the back corner of the house far away from the street they're not mm-hmm. going to see it yeah you know it's a sunroom so right there it may be a perfect situation now i'm not going to say the rest of the house has cedar shakes, let's put regular shingles on there or whatever roofing thing they use. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go ahead and manipulate white cedar on, on the on the roofs because yeah. it's beautiful, it's for the period, it's correct. And for the area in the house, it'll bring value. Yeah.
0: The
1: so there's a balance there that you kind of have to go back and forth on.
0: I love that. I feel like sometimes you get into these historic preservation accounts and groups and some people are just like no matter what it must be saved no matter what and sometimes it is that balance of like you know what it is at the back of the house or it's in the basement or it's in this small little corner maybe it's not worth it because we could be spending our money you know on the exterior details maybe Mm -hmm. there was you know a really cool like a uh, pediment or something we could be doing instead of spending it on, you know, a detail that not many people will appreciate. So I, um, exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, money is always a factor. So it's like kind yes. of what what's your, what's the wish? What, what do you really want? You know, do you want that double French door that opens up really nicely with the wide bay windows? Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the case, you know, if you're going to be going for those Marvin windows, 400 series, you know, you can be, 10, ten thirteen fourteen thousand just just to see outside yeah so <laughs> it's kind of one of those things that maybe we should do the pvc so that you save a little bit of money especially if it's already prefabricated we could get something close uh i'm really open-minded to that now yeah. i'm not really open-minded to modern um generic moldings mm-hmm. stuff that it, it wouldn't be period correct doesn't look really good even though maybe easily found purchased um, the majority of all moldings out there are not very pleasing Mm. Uh, so because what happens is a lot of these people are are replicating or cutting knives and producing moldings that they trace over the paint layer onto a piece of wood got a knife made and then now the shape just keeps going and modifying morphing into something that's nothing near what originally was under that paint Mm. so I'm a big believer either you have to scrape the paint or you have to educate yourself in your eye Mm -hmm. and get a knife made, you know, or get something fabricated that will satisfy you, the client and the overall spec of the house.
0: Yeah. Where would you suggest someone go to, you know, train their eye and get more familiar, familiar when, you know, with that kind of stuff?
1: Uh. You know there are shops still out there that are old timer shops that Mm -hmm. there you know there's several in Philadelphia, there's several in New Jersey. But if you have to go for education, you know I would say um, the furniture making school that I went to is called the Furniture Institute of Massachusetts. It's a great school. My mentor has an amazing, amazing eye for proportions and classical forms. Oh, cool! And, And he teaches you restoration and everything else. But the other thing is, I'm going to be realistic that the carpentry program that North Bennett street school offers in Boston is probably one of the best. And the reason being is that that job guarantees or that education guarantees that you get a job right out of school that you can go ahead and take your skills. You can go ahead and be rough carpenter, finished carpenter, preservation carpenter. And that's kind of where the money is. Mm-hmm. But the issue there is that most people stop there. They're, they're not going back to get themselves educated and fine tune themselves mm-hmm. and continue getting classes because they think they made it. But mm-hmm. as like anything else, as you probably even know firsthand, customers are becoming really picky. And, yep. <laughs> and, and then when you, everyone wants modern, a lot of people want modern today and modern is much more difficult than traditional mm-hmm. because you can't hide anything behind the casings or anything. Everything needs to be like perfect
0: mm-hmm. and
1: to be perfect, you need to up your skill level and to up your skill level is that you're constantly working on your hand skills and not many people out there are doing that i kind of laugh all the time when i see carpenters on social media they're finally introducing hand planes everything everyone goes and a, excited they all buy and everything else and it's kind of <laughs> like that it's been around for over 100 years like where <laughs> have you guys been yeah. you know so yeah. you always gotta constantly be reading even if it's something that like i used to read fine home building magazine even though I more was more interested in fine woodworking magazine. Mm-hmm. Now it's the opposite. I'm more into the fine home building, and I still have fine woodworking, but I'm not as intrigued, probably mm-hmm. because it doesn't challenge me a, anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: And realistically, though, it's more of that people are willing to pay for, you know, thirty dollars or $40,000 for a kitchen cabinets in an island than they are on pieces of furniture, mm-hmm. because what they think is cabinetry adds value. hmm yeah. They they leave that back in the house. Their taste changes. Their furniture, most likely the client the person moving in doesn't want your piece of furniture. Right. Now you don't even want it yourself mm-hmm. and now it's like I'm now I'm stuck with this. Why yeah. do I spend 30, <laughs> 40,000 on it? Right. And that's why also right now it's a buyer's market in, in the antique world that it's far superior to buy antique furniture now and get it repaired versus getting someone to commission it for you.
0: Yeah. My friends will come over and they'll ask me, where'd you get this? Where'd you get that? And I have a lot of antiques, but I find that, um, you know, I I have like an antique chair that I put a brand new, really cool color velvet on, or Mm -hmm. um, we had a dining table that we got on. um, It's like over a hundred years old and it still has the label from the manufacturer in New York. Um, And it was like 300 bucks. I got it. Um, refinish for like another 300 and it's gorgeous and no mm-hmm. one's ever seen like a veneer border like that before it's got all the brass um, casters on the bottom they're amazing yes. but you know it looks like a ten thousand dollar table but i spent six hundred bucks <laughs>
1: that's it you know yeah. and that's and that's a smart way of doing it and there's yeah. a lot of houses out there that you know if you have a great designer like yourself you can go ahead and say you know i want this to look like a hundred bu- you know a thousand bucks but i only mm-hmm. want to spend five hundred or whatever it is so by you having the eye in the connections you can find a lot that will give a lot of bang for the buck right but then you do need
0: craftsmen like yourselves who aren't going to butcher you know yes the rehab because mm. you know there's been a few people who will tell me yeah we redo you know we refinish furniture and you see some of their work and you're like you just kind of chopped it up <laughs> like yep. what happened there
1: <laughs> yeah you know that and that's a problem honestly there's like in Massachusetts you got to have a license to be contractor gc you almost need that in restoration
0: mm, i feel like yeah. there should
1: be a restoration like license percent the majority of them unfortunately you know you get a for effort but you're not there and i'm not saying i'm the best and, and, and brightest but i worked and studied and i continually do and i continually invest by studying under masters how to restore in, in information changes and there's new things that are added that not only make your life easier, but also has the capability of further restoring more items that you thought couldn't be restored.
0: Yeah. I think you need to give yourself a little more credit. I mean, you share some really beautiful things and you create really beautiful things. So, you know, your yeah. skill is, uh, you know, I, how, not to yeah, be I, overlooked. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, thank you. You know, I try to just stay very, very humble. Humble pie is my kind of my jam. Yeah. Um, but it's it's one of those things. I am proud that I, I feel very confident that I can restore just about anything and make just about anything. Um, so that's a really great feeling, um, and I'm I'm really excited about that. That gives me like a natural high per se. Yeah. Uh, but it's you know going back to your question, you know, uh, it's it's a really tough business. Like, it's extremely difficult. Um, and and uh, it's not for the fainted heart. Uh, you really have to work hard at it. And, and sometimes you need a lot of motivation to get up and do it all over again. Yeah, and, I'm sure. You know, you get really sore, especially as you get older. So I was going to say,
0: your job is also very physical. So, I mean. Yeah. You know you're not physical. rolling out of bed getting on a desk and hitting a few keyboards no. like you gotta go
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so which is good and bad you know it's it's kind of one of those things that some people will say that i'm always like hustling and grinding and and everything else but it's like this mental approach because unfortunately i don't get paid until the job gets done per se you know you get mm-hmm. some money at, throughout the project but in the end you know it's always about getting that money and and money drives me but it also helps because the money is what keeps me in business yeah and what keeps so it's like you got to kind of strike a balance and you know i believe that if you're going to become uh, a carpenter or whatever or own your own business you know i'd really suggest going to business school i mean i'm I'm not saying to get a degree in business but understand what's involved get take some marketing courses take some Mm -hmm. accounting courses and one of the biggest things that I worked on is people say today, you know, don't go to college, don't go to college. You're not, you're wasting a lot of money. I say, you know, there's community colleges out there that you can still learn a ton. Like when mm-hmm. I went to community college, cause I didn't want to spend a lot of money to learn English, you know, take further English classes and, and mathematical courses. I took an English course at a private uh, um, community college mm-hmm. and, 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 let me tell you, the lady that I got for that semester, she came home to Manchester because her parents were ill. Next thing I know, she's a PhD in Harvard teacher. She's only here for a semester, hoping that her parents uh, heal up and see what happens. Oh my God. So I get this lady. And then she was the most challenging English teacher I have ever dealt with in my life. You're
0: like I'm just this gonna is- take a quick English course, like down yeah. the street. Like, this is so easy, no problem. <laughs> You're Harvard educated. Yeah,
1: Harvard educated. <laughs> and you know, the late, the minute that she comes in, she's like, "Okay, guys, this is the first day that a paper isn't due." And it's like, uh, and we meet twice a week. I think it was Mondays and Wednesday. Oh my! And God. I was just like, and every week it's more and more pages and more and more pages. And he's like, it's double space only because. I want to be able to highlight and correct notes. So because it's double space, you have to print front and back. Oh my God. That's classified (laughs) as one page. So by the end of it, we're writing 20, 30 page papers. Oh my God. And it was the most challenging and best course I ever took. I still have my final grade in my my shop. And it was just one of those things that um, you always got to constantly challenge yourself so that you can actually hold a proper conversation that you can mm-hmm. actually communicate better even though that's still a weakness of mine but you don't go to school just to get the education you get go to school to mature and grow mm-hmm. and i think that is a huge factor that's missing in the carpentry world mm-hmm. and everything's kind of rough and rugged and everything else but you know if you come down and be realistic and understand what the client wants. It's, it's like people say, it's a marriage. It's mm-hmm. a short marriage. But <laughs> in the end, you know, we still want to be in the honeymoon stage that everyone's happy and you wanna be proud of the work you've done and you wanna be proud that they're happy as a client. Totally,
0: yeah, and, and same thing goes for design. I mean, you ha- I'm sure you know you have a lot of designers that can get in their own way with their own ideas and creativity and at the mm-hmm. end of the day, they don't know how to execute the project or they don't know how to manage a client or they don't know how to manage a budget and it can get messy, so. Oh
1: God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a few. Yeah, you know. I'm sure you have. <laughs> so, you know, right now I try not to deal with designers but at the same time I feel that uh, designers play a huge role designers are are a key factor in fabricating and, you know, the outcome is because of the balance of the eye that the designer brings in has a capability of communicating what the clients desire. So I think they play a huge role Mm -hmm. and I think that they deserve more respect than people give them. At the same time, there's been plenty of times I wish the designer would step up for the contractor. So there's always like, you know, a battle there, but in the end it's like, you want to get paid as a designer, I want to get paid. In the end, yeah. you want to make something great, so let's work together.
0: Yeah, it's definitely about that partnership. Um, I've done incredible designs when I have an incredible contractor. Yeah. Um, but I've had horrific projects when I have a contractor who's just like viewing me as a threat, which is, you know, the wrong way to go about it. And I feel like once you set that standard, it's hard to walk away from it. So, um,
1: yeah, you know, it's... 100%.
0: It's, it could be a battle or it could be a great friendship.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the way I look at it is there's nothing wrong with having butting heads, but after the argument or the discussion, Mm -hmm. you know, everything's cooled down and you should be able to be like, listen, I'm sorry for saying this. I'm sorry for that. Let's see what we could come up with. Because unfortunately, sometimes it's just like, you want to hit the schedule and depending on the contract, you got to hit certain levels before you get paid. Mm -hmm. So the stress is on. Yeah. At the same, at the same time, it's kind of like, well, this is why you should have went to business school or learn your pricing (laughs) because then your pricing would have been different and you probably right. would not be as so stressful.
0: Correct. Right. Yeah. That's constant battle. Yeah. Um, all right, last few questions. What's your okay. favorite type of wood to work with?
1: Uh my probably for just regular domestic, it's probably uh American cherry. Okay. I, I do love like ebony and holly as well.
0: Interesting. No
1: no love for your mahogany. <laughs> I you know, I do love mahogany, like, but the problem is today's mahogany. It's not what I started off with. Like, mm. I, I started off with Honduras mahogany. Okay. I love Honduras mahogany. Mm. But today it's like African and uh, Peruvian or yeah. Fiji. It's nowhere near the same quality. Interesting. Like, I have some amazing Honduras mahogany I'm saving for myself. Even uh-huh. Cuban mahogany. And that stuff is just that nice, rich, chocolate, dense... It, it like, doesn't matter what you put on it. It's like one coat, and that thing is so sealed. Oh, wow. Cold. It reflects. So...
0: That's awesome. I love that. Um, all right. Last few questions. Your favorite historic renovation accounts on Instagram or just in general,
1: besides um, your own. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's, I'm gonna look it up online because I've totally forgot about this question. Uh, this, I basically follow just about every single person that I enjoy. Yeah. Um, there's like tried and true restoration. This is like, that's Tim. Okay. Uh, there's also Blind Eye Restoration.
0: Blind Eye Restoration? Yes. I've oh, never heard of
1: that guy. Okay. So she's great. Oh, uh, girl. Yeah, she's a girl. You think okay. I would know all these names, but you know. <laughs> I put you on the spot. So, mm-hmm.
0: oh, oh, woman-owned architectural conservation firm. That's awesome. Yes. Her
1: a so obviously, you know, who's, believe it or not, who does a lot of great historic home repair and everything else is Kelly from Cree construction. I was just um,
0: going to ask you about her. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Kelly. I have so much respect for her. Um, she's in the, you know, battling a man's world per se, yeah. but she, she does exquisite work also like old Saratoga restorations. Mm, oh my gosh. Um,
0: Anthony follows that account. That stuff is amazing. He's constantly sending me there. Um, yes. Their it's posts.
1: Great. You know, Chris Bam restoration in Texas. He's spectacular. B-A-M? B-A-M-E. Chris crisp Restoration. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, you do follow everybody. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's also like Faithful Restoration, you know, there and there's so many people who are not on Instagram. Like I belong to a professional refinishers group. They're all over the United States. These men and women are unbelievable from violin re- restoration to uh, the head conservator of the Smithsonian Museum to the head uh, conservator of upholstery in, in um, Williamsburg from California to Maine and everything in between. Mm-hmm. There's just a core group of restorers uh, mm-hmm. that are so talented that, you know, it's breathtaking. And I think I think there's t- the statistic is there's like 1.2 billion uh, pounds of waste every year from people just taking down parts of a home versus preserving them oh, remodeling wow. and that's not even per like sometimes that's just per region like that's like in new england
0: oh wow And there's
1: another billion in california and it's like another billion in texas and what's sad about that is that uh as i get more and more phone calls it's like do you want the windows do you want the hardware mm-hmm. do you want the doors mm-hmm. and you know uh the flooring everyone just wants to rip up old flooring but in, in reality it's not that hard to actually save old flooring, and hmm. because they're so thick, you can actually restore them. Interesting. So I, I believe that there's a lot more that can be restored. Yeah. Or, oh, well, you
0: sorry. had a post a while ago. I think it was like the the greenest form of building is I don't know. It was like saving what's already there, or something. Or the greenest mm-hmm. kind of door is one that already exists. It was something yes. along that lines, basically, uh, which I thought was interesting and a very good point. I mean, we we waste a lot. Um, oh, yeah. in construction. Mm. Um, so, you know,
1: it's the same thing happens with, with upholstery, you know, mm, uh, for sure, constantly changing, remodeling rooms change, you know, I don't like this fabric anymore, you know, and what happens there is mm-hmm. you have all these beautiful antiques, but then you're really beating up the rails and everything else. Sure. And then sooner or later they can't be used. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to think about what's next. What's the future. Yeah. Uh, can, can we adjust, mm-hmm. you know, so, and I think that plays a role when it comes to finishing. Can it be reversed? Can it be mm-hmm. repaired? You know, yeah. painting, can you just, is the best paint that you're using available? Are you using it? Yeah. You know, so those are the factors to be aware of.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, last question. Mm-hmm. Any tips for women getting into historic renovations and at the same token, like what advice can you give fellow Gut Reno girls on construction in an old home? Like what what yeah. advice would you give?
1: So the advice I would give is that uh, not everything in a big box store is, is is the ideal scenario. You know, like a perfect example, if you're going to be refinishing or stripping the moldings or your door, because I saw that at the big box store, doesn't mean it's a great stuff. So strippers, I would say that you'd be surprised that you can find uh better product, better solvents from a company called Benco in Tennessee. It's more pure, less chemicals, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I will say that There's a lot of restoration books out there that are really good and very informative um, that teaches you a lot. Um, What's the best and easiest finish, even though everyone's scared about it, is shellac. Mm. The reason why I say that is shellac sticks to everything and everything sticks to shellac. It's like when you put something on and you love how it looks Uh and then you put something else on top of it and he's like, oh, no, I ruined it. But if you stop for one second, you love the color you put on, fine. Put shellac on it. Shellac doesn't change anything, it just gives it further depth, gives it protection. You put something on top of the shellac. If you don't like it, different solvent most likely it's oil versus alcohol. You wipe it down. Really? You're back to the shellac. Okay. So that's a lifesaver. I use shellac on everything. Really? It's like my my barrier coat, my my as uh, a base? As a base for everything. You know, you can change the strength of it and everything else. Um would, would you say, use
0: that on, um, like, say, for example, because I always get this question, should I paint the moldings? And someone walks mm-hmm. into a beautiful old home and they've got, like, amazing wood moldings, but they're not sure if they should paint them or not. Like, mm-hmm. should they just cover them in shellac, and then if they paint them, they can just go back?
1: Yes, 100%. Mm-hmm. Oh, the reason amazing. Being, The reason being is shellac is alcohol-based, so if you put a latex base on top of it, you may have to scuff it up a little bit just to give it some bite after the shellac is dried. But you can go ahead and paint right over it. And if you have a good restore, a good restore will realize like, oh, there's shellac underneath this. I can go ahead and use, you know, water with a scotch bright, and I can scotch bright the, uh, the paint off. And there's a shellac layer, everything's preserved. Then you know, also, if you have like a oak moldings or, or mahogany moldings, you don't have to worry about the paint getting into the pores as much. So in the future, it's even easier mm-hmm. to remove the paint if you decide to change your mind. Or um, if someone says, oh, I wish you didn't paint this. I probably would have given you more money. You'd be like, great. I just shellacked over what was there. It's easy to reverse if you hire a proper restorer.
0: Oh, my gosh. that's That one tip, like, mm-hmm. made my whole life. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. So, and, you know, the other thing is you can manipulate color with shellac. There's about 25 different colors of shellac, uh, mm. So it goes back in history. But the other thing I would say uh, to for a female is don't be scared of using hand tools. Okay uh there's a lot of great hand tools out there that will save you a ton of time that you can be very proficient using them and that uh i'm kind of one of those oddballs that i have all these different tools that no one else carries but i'm not climbing up and down the ladder as much because mm-hmm. i have everything tucked in if you can control and understand how manip- how to manipulate wood by hand you'd be quite surprised how good you can be and then i highly highly recommend taking a good woodworking class, even if it's just learning the fundamentals of the machines mm-hmm. or learning the fundamentals of, of the hand tools, uh, you have to be very cautious because their teaching doesn't mean they're a great teacher. So I would recommend like asking other people and seeing about getting some reviews regarding the certain instructor. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you can gain a lot from taking a course. Yeah. And the best advice that I can give a woman is that don't fear the process. And you gotta have really thick skin, and it's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not, uh, it's not bad to show your emotions, mm-hmm. you know. Even though people will say, "Oh, here comes another woman; she's gonna be crying." It's <laughs> kind of one of those things that that listen. I'd rather see a woman cry because if she put the anger out that she's trying to express, I'm more fearful of what she can do with her anger. Mm-hmm. So you know, and people kind of, you know, I'm one of those men that you know I'm not scared to cry. So I'm perfectly fine with that mm-hmm. because in the end, as my mom will say, it's like, I'd rather you express that anger and tears because then I would fear what you would do to the other person. Mm. So, you know, being able to relieve that stress and there's nothing wrong with making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, because what makes a master is the recovery from his mistakes. Totally. And the last thing I would say is that it's good to be um, the saying is, you know, uh, jack of all trades master of none and i, I say i disagree 150 percent. it's hmm. like a jack of all trades good at everything ah, you, don't, you don't have to master everything just have to be have be good at everything have a good solid foundation because in the end 95 percent of the people who are you doing the work for will never notice the flaws that you, you see mm-hmm. as a contractor so majority of the time the end result is beautiful
0: yeah mm-hmm. awesome well, thank you, Freddie. This was awesome. and I well, I so appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man. So uh, My this pleasure. is incredible. Um, tell us where we can find you just on Instagram or what's going on yeah. with your new, is it your new business? Like, are you launching as a different account or like what's going on with that?
1: Well, I'm transitioning, basically, because uh, so many people send me messages that, you know, I don't want to lose this account, you know, the algorithm. So I'm slowly (laughs) transitioning to New England Historic Restoration. It's still Period craftsmen, so crafts with an S and men with an E, Mm -hmm. and usually you can find me there. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, thank you again. You're welcome. Uh, Enjoy your evening. You too. uh, Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, uh, I'll let you know when this is all. Live. Awesome. So it was a yeah. pleasure.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Freddie. Have a good night.
1: You too. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.